Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this is The Gateway. It's Tuesday, March 30th. I'm Wayne Pratt. Illinois has been lifting restrictions on all kinds of businesses, letting more people return to a somewhat normal life. But that's not happening in the state's prisons. You've got no visits, no human contact, no no sense that anyone loves you. We'll have that story in just a few minutes. A nearly all-white federal jury acquitted a St. Louis Metropolitan police officer accused of beating a black undercover officer during a 2017 protest. Officer Stephen Cordy was acquitted of all charges, including violating Luther Hall's civil rights and lying to the FBI. Five on Your Side reporter Christine Byers says an attorney for Cordy says justice was served. He actually said that he believed Luther Hall would be happy with the verdict today, knowing that uh, the wrong people will not, were not convicted of assaulting him. The verdict was handed down yesterday. The verdicts for two former officers were mixed. The jury acquitted Christopher Myers of violating Hall's civil rights, but was unable to decide if he impeded the investigation. The jury is also hung on whether former officer Dustin Boone violated Hall's civil rights. The hung jury means the officers could face those charges again. The Missouri Senate has overwhelmingly passed legislation making the use of chokeholds illegal for police officers. The measure also prohibits officers from engaging in sexual activity on the job and attempts to keep those with troublesome records from jumping from department to department. The legislation is combined with a proposal to eliminate residency requirements for police officers in Kansas City. It now heads to the House. St. Louis will have federal assistance to distribute thousands of COVID-19 vaccine doses in April and May. St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Fenton reports the Federal Emergency Management Agency is planning to operate a daily downtown vaccination clinic. Workers from FEMA, the Department of Defense, and local health agencies will help vaccinate up to 3,000 people a day at the Dome at America's Center. Unlike other pop-up vaccination sites, the operation will be open every day starting on April 7th. The large-scale event will begin two days before every adult Missouri resident is eligible to receive the vaccine on April 9th. Duane Tavis is FEMA's coordinator for the St. Louis site. He says the Dome is one of more than a dozen locations FEMA has coordinated nationwide. This site will have excellent access to public transportation. It's open seven days a week, so that gives you more opportunities. He says the agency chooses sites based on factors including poverty levels, urban density, and racial makeup. I'm Sarah Fenton, St. Louis Public Radio. A researcher at Missouri University of Science and Technology is working on a way to use decomposing plants and animal waste to power vehicles. St. Louis Public Radio's Jonathan All reports on a fuel tank that might be able to make the process happen. Decomposing biomass lets off two main gases, methane and carbon dioxide. The methane can be burned as fuel, but the carbon dioxide has to be separated. 
Fatime Rizai is a professor of biochemical engineering at Missouri S&T. She's working on a fuel tank that would separate CO2 on the car or truck. That could be used to run our uh, vehicles. You know, if you are talking about farmers, you can use biogas to run your uh, tractor or other vehicles. Rizai says the captured carbon dioxide could be used for industrial purposes or sequestered to keep it out of the atmosphere. The National Science Foundation is helping fund the research. In Rala, I'm Jonathan All, St. Louis Public Radio. The Illinois Department of Corrections halted in-person visits last March because of the pandemic. But a year later, there's still no plan to allow families to reconnect. Patrick Smith reports. Von Jones has been locked up in an Illinois prison for more than two decades with no chance of parole. Still, Kim Henry says he is the love of her life. He is the father of my child, grandfather of my three grandchildren. He's a major part of the family, even though he's not there. He encourages us. He consoles us. He supports us. Um, you know, he loves us. Before the pandemic, Henry would make the 45-minute drive from Carbondale to Menard Prison to see Jones every weekend. Sit at the tables, you know, and talk. We can hold hands, which is something we do often. But then on March 14th, 2020, the Illinois Department of Corrections halted in-person visitations to try and prevent the spread of COVID-19. I lost a major support. And for the inmates, COVID precautions have meant stricter rules around movement. There have been lockdowns and quarantines because of positive tests. Volunteer-led programming has been halted. This year has been really rough on him. He would have to be losing some of his humanity because you've got no visits, no human contact, no, no sense that anyone loves you. Jennifer Volenkatz heads the independent prison watchdog, the John Howard Association. She says there were understandable reasons why the state halted in-person visits in the first place. Look, when it comes to issues of contagion, the reality is, is that, you know, prisons present enormously dangerous environments. But she says the state has not done enough to support other ways for people inside to connect with the outside world. The substitutes for in-person visits are just not nearly good enough, Um, and they wouldn't be even if functioning properly, but they're not. So, for instance, video visits have been plagued with tech issues, Um, and access to phones has been really limited due to limitations on movement related to trying to contain COVID. You know, Governor Pritzker set out guidelines for nail salons, hair salons, bars, restaurants. So why hasn't he set out guidelines for prisons? They're under his control. It, it really is upsetting to me. Julie Anderson's son, Eric, is incarcerated. She says the state could set up outdoor visiting areas with rules around capacity and masking. A lot of the prisons, when you're in the visiting room, you can look outside and there's an enclosed patio area that has a brick fence around it with tables there that they used to have outside visits, but they stopped them. That's attached to the visiting room. It's very easily for those facilities to to have outside visiting. Very easy. So why do you think IDOC hasn't done that? Because they don't have to. They don't care. 
Last week, Governor J.B. Pritzker unveiled a plan for the next steps in the state's reopening. It didn't mention the state's prisons. A spokesperson for Pritzker's Corrections Department says they're hopeful indoor and outdoor visits will be available by the summer, but she didn't answer what criteria need to be met for that to happen and wouldn't give a specific target date. For Kim Henry, she misses seeing the love of her life. I, I need a hug. <laughs> you know, after a year, I need, I need some type of hug. I need to be able to hold his hand. Henry says with the pandemic, it feels like prisons and the people inside of them are even more invisible than usual. I'm Patrick Smith. Patrick is a reporter at member station WBEZ in Chicago. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. We are a service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. I'm Wayne Pratt. From the St. Louis Public Radio newsroom, this has been The Gateway. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.